0: Welcome to The Aggressive Life. Hey, this is Brian. Right now, I'm out on 400 acres of land with a chew in my mouth, because that's what I do when I'm at Man Camp. Man Camp 2021 just wrapped up. Dudes are still hiking out of here as I speak. You know, it's been two years since we've been able to gather out here, sit around campfires, do hard work, push ourselves spiritually and physically and relationally and emotionally 1500 guys from 32 states came out here. And today on the podcast, we're going to call an audible. We're going to share an excerpt of one of the talks I gave this weekend. That is John. He's got the he's got this truck that just whistles. It's the most whistly truck I've ever seen. There it goes. <laughs> we we're, we're going to share an excerpt of one of the talks I gave this weekend and we're going to break the code because one of the codes at Man Camp is what happens at Man Camp stays at Man Camp. There's a lot of deep stuff that happens, a lot of processing. It's a safe place. And yet we're going to export one thing, which is a portion of my talk. It's not the whole thing, but it's enough to give you a little taste. If you attended Man Camp, share this with a brother you want to come with you next time. And if you listen to this podcast on the week it releases, we're running a special flash sale for Man Camp 2022 tickets. $30 off this week only. Go sign up. Make an aggressive move. Sign up. If you're listening to this later, subscribe at mancamp.us for updates and be the first to know when regular registration opens. All right, that's enough for now. Let's get to a Man Camp taste here on The Aggressive Life. In case we haven't met officially, my name is Brian Tome. And uh, a little about me, I was, I was born at a very early age. And then I was adopted. There's a uh, psychologist would say that there's a primal wound that happens with those of us who were adopted where The the person we were a part of inside of their womb, when they give us up for adoption, which is the most loving thing someone can do when they're not ready to do that, incredibly loving for my birth mother, when they give you up, a psychologist would say, there's this symbiotic, literally symbiotic relationship you have with a human being, the only human being you've ever met, and then all of a sudden you're away from that person and you're adopted into a great loving family, which I was, but you feel rejected. You feel like you're separate. You feel like you're not wanted. That's kind of my baggage, and I, I, I get rid of it. The chains drop off, but they keep trying to get back on me. So it's great to sing those songs. I'm going to talk about that today. I'm going to talk about a little bit about fatherhood. In the book of Ephesians chapter 4.13, 4, here's what it says. Until we all attain to the unity of the faith, even if you came in here and you didn't have faith, you might feel like you're more united with guys who are around you. The unity of faith and the knowledge of the Son of God, to, and here's the thing, to become a mature adult. No, it doesn't say that. Knowledge of the Son of God, to become emotionally actualized. No, it doesn't say that. To, uh, to the knowledge of the Son of God, to become emotionally in touch with your feelings. No, it doesn't say that. To become, to become financially responsible. To become, no, it says this. This is what it actually says. To mature manhood. Mature man. When have you ever heard the phrase mature manhood? You've maybe heard the phrase toxic masculinity or alpha male. But what does it mean to be a mature man? It says us here, the stature of the fullness of Christ, the stature of the fullness of Christ. The fascinating thing about Jesus is is you can't put him in a box. When I did a tour in Israel one time, uh, not like a military tour, but when I toured Israel, one of the the guys is this female Jewish woman, and she said, you know, Jesus was a very rigorous man. This is a man who would walk miles and miles every day. This is a man who would be barefoot oftentimes. This is a man who was building things and would have tough, calloused hands. This is a man who underwent 39 lashes on a cross 39 lashes before he was put on a cross. This is a man who had had nails taken through his bone structure in his, in his wrist and through his feet. This is a, and she just started rattling off all the he said vigorous and rigorous things of him. He was a full blown whatever your picture of a physical man was. That was him. And he's also an introvert poet who's quoting things that is poetry from time to time. He's a guy who's hugging people. He's a guy who weps. I, I hate Bible trivia. If you ever play some Bible trivia game, if someone says, let's play Bible, it's a stupid idea. Don't do it. But, <laughs> but if, if, if someone talks you into that and someone, people who want to play Bible trivia are always people who all they're good at is the Bible. They're not good at anything else. So let's play Bible trivia. <laughs> So you can feel like a loser and I can show you how smart and spiritual I am. <laughs> I, I'll give you I'll give I'll give you one Bible trivia answer. The shortest verse in the Bible is some of you know it. Jesus wept. Jesus wept. It's the shortest verse in the Bible. Jesus wept. He's emotional. So he's not just like this, like blue collar manly man. He's also he's also the always the smartest person in the room. Always is. He, he, people try to put him in a corner and he, and he says something. Well, what about you? What do you say about this? And he puts him in a corner again and again. And it says people were amazed at his teaching. And people would say, who is this man who teaches things that we've never heard before? So he's, he's not just a college professor, a college university professor teaching PhDs. He's, but he, he doesn't fit a specific narrow band of whatever version of masculine we have. And today we have all different types of men in here today, all different types. You can be a mature man in the lane that God has wired you to be in and Jesus understands you and he gets you. And for anybody who has some of the, um, the chains that I have, the chains of rejection, if you feel like people are against you, if you feel like people are trying to get you, if you feel like you're on your own, if you feel like you're a nonstop fighting match with one hand tied behind your back, Jesus gets that too. Jesus was, uh, Bible says, born of a virgin. And therefore, people were always, oh, yeah, right, born a virgin. People in the ancient times, they weren't stupid. Like, oh, yeah, Mary, right, virgin birth. Right, got it. Got it. Yeah, 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 yeah. They They understood nine months and all that related. Not all, not as much as we do today, but they they weren't stupid. So Mary and Joseph had to take off and they had to evacuate uh, in order to have Christmas. And they evacuate because it is a scandal that a woman would be pregnant before she's actually married in that time. It was a huge, huge deal. And this was a rumor that Jesus carried with him for the rest of his life. At one point in the book of John, we have the high religious people who are all moral, where they're going like, hey, I know who your mother is. <laughs> actually, they said, we don't know who your mother is. You're a bastard. I'm interpreting this. I'm translating this. This is exactly what's there. They're saying, you are a bastard. You were born out of wedlock. You're a loser. They would throw this at him all the time. And then he would say something like, well, I know who your dad is. Satan, that's who your dad is. So so he would fight back. He wouldn't always take it. He would fight back, but he would have this thing that would come against him where people are like, oh yeah, right, right, right. No, we know you, you're the the bastard child. You, 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 and he had this. and, And he had things that were difficult for him. The book of Hebrews says that Jesus was tempted in every way, yet without sin. So no matter what your chain is, no matter what your temptation is, Jesus says, I get it, I understand it. He understands the temptation to drink too much. He understands the temptation to hate people who hate him. He understands the temptation to feel like I'm distant from God and God has forgotten about me because I have this, this bastard title that's on me and I'm wandering around and I don't have the wealth that maybe other people do. He understands that whatever temptation you have, whatever it is, he understands it. He gets you. This is a breakthrough for me. Because as I was adopted, I was born into a, I was adopted into a family that was 100% different from my DNA. 100%. It couldn't have been more different. I'm I'm 6'1". My dad is uh, 5'9". I went to, I went to college for seven years, not to be a doctor, but I went to college for seven years. So it took me seven years to get, took me three, three, three shots at accounting one to get through accounting. Three shots. Uh. I, and my dad, my dad is a shorter guy. He's got a huge, massive head. I always got to put my, my hat pretty small. My dad could never wear this hat. All the way open, huge, massive head, huge ears that stick out. Ivy League trained, nuclear engineer. He uh, troubleshot nuclear reactors. I remember being in fourth grade and, and trying to do long division, and I couldn't get it. And, and I couldn't get it. My dad would take his pencil. I remember very clearly, he had the pencil. And he'd take the pencil and just jam it on the paper. I was doing a long division at the kitchen table. So, Why can't you get this? Why can't you do this? I couldn't fathom him that a, that, a, that a son wouldn't be naturally mathematically, mathematically oriented. And I remember the tears falling off my face and hitting the paper. And I just felt like I, I'm, I'm a loser. I'm, I'm, I'm not like you. Not like you at all. Things I could do, my dad couldn't do. I was more of an athlete. He wasn't uh, much of an athlete. In fact, I have my friends who were 10 years old make fun of my dad. That's a pretty awful memory. I probably can tell right now without crying, but because I've told her a few times. First time I ever told this story was here at man camp. But my, my, my friends who were 10 years old would make fun of my dad because he was just a dork. He looked like a dork. He would come to practice, uh, middle uh, Little League baseball practice with a pocket protector on. He had this huge, massive... You know, massive ears, and he doesn't know what's going on. And I just remember coming unglued. Like, I just started heaping and sobbing and convulsing. It was so bad that the, the umpire stopped the game because somebody in the, on the bench was having a seizure. And, and how, how do you tell people this was happening? I, I would live with it. And my, and my dad is, is wonderful. I love him very much, but he's entirely different than me. I've always liked tobacco of every form. I buy, buy him a big cigar. It was a stupid idea to do because he hates. He hates tobacco. I bought it when I was like in, I don't know, uh, eighth grade or something like that. Yeah, back in, when I was in eighth grade, you could buy tobacco. It was amazing. <laughs> God bless America. Just walk in and just, here you go, kid. You have it. it was, you go away. It was wonderful. <laughs> I had this big, huge cigar I give to him and and as the days and weeks and months and years went by and it got drier and drier and would crumble on, on his bureau, it was a constant reminder, my dad's not me. My dad doesn't get me. Now, what did that do to me? What that did to me was I felt rejected and my understanding of fatherhood was one in which my dad isn't like me my dad doesn't understand me, and my dad is frustrated with me. It's called daddy issues. <laughs> now, I'm not here. If you want a psychologist to unpack your daddy issues, that's fine. Go unpack the daddy issues. They're, they're, they're serious. That's not, this is all lead up to this. The reason that we have daddy issues, whether we've had a father or we've never had a father, the reason is because our our earthly father is the representative of our Heavenly Father. So when we don't understand our earthly father, our earthly father is away. Guess what? We think we can't understand our Heavenly Dad. We think that our Heavenly Dad is absent from us. When our earthly father beats us and spanks us and crushes us, we think that if we come to something like this, we talk about God, God's going to spank me. He's going to crush me. When our earthly dad is constantly critical, we think that God's going to constantly be critical to us. When someone comes up to me and says, hey, man, I think, I th- I think God wants me to tell you something. I always go, I, I clench my butt, like, Eah. I clench my butt. because so I'm like, oh, no, no, if you have a word from God, I'm going to get spanked because God's frustrated with me. God's not happy with me. God doesn't like me. God doesn't any, uh, and, and, and that's really sick. Where do we get the idea if God's going to talk to you that he's going to spank you? Jesus only spanks hyper-religious people who are judgmental. That's all He spanks. You know, that, that's it, you know? He doesn't spank the woman at the well who's been married multiple times. He, he, he doesn't spank the person who's a Harley. He doesn't spank the person who's, who's thieving money, who's stealing money as a tax collector. He doesn't, I mean, He's, he's constantly giving grace and, and constantly waiting. The best day in Jesus' life is when He goes to get baptized it's not the best day when he raised from the dead. That'd be amazing. It's not the best day in his life when he, when he feeds 5,000 people. That'd be amazing. I think the best day in his life was he goes and gets baptized and he hears a voice that says, this is my son in whom I'm well pleased. This is my son in whom I'm well pleased. In fact, there's only three times in the New Testament that it's specifically say, said that, God, that Jesus heard from God. Only three times. Now, I'm sure Jesus heard from God more than that, but there's only three. Two of them are the exact same thing. This is my son in whom I'm well pleased. Do you believe he'd say the same thing to you? I do. I do. Now, you and I have chains that Jesus didn't have. You and I don't, don't just have every temptation. We succumb to a heck of a lot of them. I'm not, I'm not saying that we're like Jesus, but I'm, I'm telling you that you are God's son, and he, you have to believe that he's pleased with you. If you believe that you have to keep doing X, Y, Z for him to love you, you will be in slavery and bondage. That is a chain that is on you. If you believe you've got to hit a certain level of morality or else God's not going to have you, you will be chained and you will never be free. If you believe you've got to learn so many Bible verses and memorize so many Bible verses, then you will never be free. The Bible will actually be a slave driver to you because you believe the Bible is a way to earn God's approval. It's not. I know I risk losing my pastor credentials here. I know I risk, like I'm preaching a, the preacher's union I'm a part of. might not like this, but no, <laughs> nobody had a Bible in their home for 1,600 years until the printing press come. So we think for the first 1,600 years, Jesus and all His followers, they were all losers because they didn't read a paper Bible every day. But we have these things that church and religion puts on top of us that just beats us down and hurts us. There's a really curious. There's a really curious verse uh, in the New Testament, and it says in the the book of Ephesians, it says that women, women are to men are to love their wives as Christ loved the church, and women are to respect their husbands. They're to respect them. When someone says to me, "I love you," and I'll say to you, "I do love you." I do love you. I do love you. So, so that's a nice thing to say. I appreciate that, but that doesn't do much for me. Love is defined as having an emotional feeling, warm, gushy be very clear, I am pro-love, all pro-love. I just don't think we understand and define what love is. But I think what's interesting is in that verse, it is told, men, love your wives. And how do we love our wives? We love our wives by doing what Jesus did, which is laying down our life for her. Jesus loved us, not because he said, oh, I love you so much, I want to skip around with unicorns and butterflies and just tell you how wonderful things are. He doesn't do that. He shows us he loves us by going to a cross and taking our pain. He bears our pain. God made him who knew no sin to be sin on our behalf. That's what he does. And now here's the one, here's what gets really fun. Here it is, here it is, because you're thinking, oh my gosh, here we go with rules. Pastors getting us ready to say, so go home, guys. Just like love your wives and serve your wives and do the dishes. Yes, you should do that. But that's not... My big clothes. It says that women are to respect their husbands. Why does it say that? Because as men, we want respect more than we want love. If one of your guys around your campfire says, hey, man, I just want you to know I love you, you'll appreciate that. That's a good thing to say. But most of us, if someone says, hey, man, I just want you to know I respect you. I respect you. It's a good thing. We talk about unconditional love. Do you know that the phrase unconditional love is nowhere in the Bible? I know that's shocking. It's true. I've read it more times than you. Sorry to puff myself up. Made my feel real good. I would beat you in Bible trivia. I would. I hate the game, but I would beat you. It's, a, it's an interpretation on the word agape and all that. You've got, you got to go real deep. To go uncond- The phrase unconditional love, as we throw it out, isn't in the Bible. I think it's true. I do. I think God loves you unconditionally. But here's what I'm saying. You know what else is in the Bible that no one ever talks about? Unconditional respect. Unconditional respect. Do you believe that God unconditionally respects you? I want to tell you, he does. He unconditionally respects you. God respects you. Yeah, but I got some stuff. I, I, I know, I know. I, he knows, but He respects you. Now, wait a minute, I got to get my stuff because I, I, I don't, I, I don't I, hold on, hold on, hold on. Jesus loved you before you did anything. He loved, And He respects you. God respects you. If you don't believe God respects you, like I didn't believe that my dad respected me, it will be a wound that will hurt you the rest of your life because you will never get it. You'll keep trying to earn respect. By the way, Aretha Franklin, R-E-S-P-E-C-T. Tell me what you mean, Timmy. Me. She made that. She didn't write that song. It was Sam Cooke or Otis Redding. Otis Redding. Because only a man would, write, would, would make that song. Women are not asking for respect. They're asking for love. But you and I, R-E-S-P-E-C-T, What's the the primary motivator with all sports teams going into a big game? What do they say? They don't respect us. They don't respect us. It's a cry of a man's heart to want respect. And I'm telling you, you have to believe that God respects you. If you don't believe, and I'm telling you, he does. He respects you. He gets you just the way you are right now. He understands you. He understands your like for tobacco. He understands your like for water, for finger painting with water paints. He understands and respects your fixation with power mechanics. He understands and, and appreciates your work with numbers, because he's the greatest engineer has put together physics. We're just trying to figure out his numbers. He gets you. He respects you. He respects that you're an introvert. He that you're at whatever it is. he loves you and he respects you. and he's watching you right now. Hey man, he, he loves you, he respects you in all ways possible. Well my kids would go out in the play field to play whatever it was my son, you know he's wearing football pads and uniform and all that stuff. he goes out there. it, it, it didn't matter if they changed the name the number on his jersey. It, did, it didn't matter if he was on the sideline. It was like I could always. I saw him. I knew him. I saw him. I knew him. And so that's that's my son. I know him. That's what God's like with you. That doesn't, it doesn't matter where you are. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter what you're wearing. It doesn't matter the digits in your. Place. He goes. I know him. I know him. Respect him. I like watching him. Your picture is in his wallet. He doesn't have one of those anymore. Cell phone. Your picture's on his cell phone. (laughs) I don't have any big clothes here for us today, guys. I just want to do a a, I wanted to do just a a spiritual level set, just a level set to to knock down the false spirituality that many of us have, the false ideas of God that keep us from being with God. God wants to be with you. He's into you, man. He's so, he's so proud that you're here. He says, that's my boy. He can't do a single burpee. I love him anyway. That's my boy. He can't st- figure out how to build a freaking fire. That's him. It's always him. But I, lo- I love that guy. I love that guy. I respect, I respect the things that he can do back in civilization that other guys here can't do. We're going to go and we're going to have uh, some time with God. It's solitude time. You all got these when you came in. Uh, the reason there's no, why there's no close to this, no big crescendo and, yeah, is because I'm going to trust that uh, your dad, your dad's going to give you a crescendo because this isn't about you dealing with your daddy wound issues from a psychological or earthly standpoint. Our daddy wound issues or how great our dad was is all meant to point us to God, our heavenly father. That's why the father role is so important. And we're going to go right to our dad who respects us and loves us. We're going to take our chairs and uh, you're just going to go someplace and be alone. So let's just uh, take our chairs and go find some place to be with your dad. Hey, thanks for listening. For all things aggressive living, why don't you head over to bryantome.com. Find my new book, Move, A Guide to Get Up and Go Forward, as well as articles and much, much more. And no matter where you listen to podcasts, why don't you take a second And leave us a rating. Leave us a review. It really, really helps us drive new listeners to the show. We want to help as many people as possible, just like we may have helped you. We want to help others. So why don't you help us out? And if you want to connect, find me on Instagram at Brian Tome. Aggressive Life with Brian Tome is a production of Crossroads Church, Cincinnati, Ohio.